On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I'm going to talk about the hero's journey, which is a very popular, famous story arc. When you're marketing, you're not the hero, okay? You're Gandalf, okay? Right. You got to help out Frodo by helping him be the hero, and you just be the cool wizard of background. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Doug Crow on the King stage. My brother, how you doing? Good, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I appreciate the smile because off air, we were just talking about some life potentially altering things. I'll let you fill in the gap, some of that on, on if you want to share that. But we're right in the middle of... of, of uh, Hearing a king on the other side here with Doug work through some heavy circumstances. So I'm curious to see how this will affect the show. I'm excited for it since you've got such a great mindset. But Doug, tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. Sure. We have a ghostwriting and publishing uh, company. We actually help people create a best-selling book without them writing a single word. Love it. So concise. You say it just like you mean it. Yeah. And so are these people in different industries? Are these people, give us an understanding of who sure, you're Yeah, there are mainly C-suite folks, founders, guys who started a company, ran a company, exited a company, but they're people who have a message either in business or maybe personal that they feel a really you know, strong urge to get out there and share with the world. Yeah. And it's important to know what we don't do. I don't do like technical books, kid books, novels, romance novels. We don't do that stuff. I can help them promote it, market it with the, our skills sure. and a team that we have. But our core business is helping people get their story and their message effectively out there to whom they want to get it out to. Too. That's fantastic. So what you're saying is that as I continue to build this Gathering the Kings brand, that I might need to tell a story through writing a book. Is that what you're telling wow. me, Doug? I'm just saying that stories matter because we don't remember the Pythagorean theorem. But I remember very fondly about my little dog, Tippy. There's a big difference between storytelling and data. So That's right. That's right. I love how you broke it down, too. So I'm going to be anxious for you to tell us some stories here since since you're such a good storyteller here, Doug. And so before we get rolling, why are you doing it? Why are you still doing it? What's what's the deeper tick for you? Ah, that's a long story. How much time do we have? No, the (laughs) medium version. I hate when people say to make a long story short and they never do. It's always long. Yep. To make Uh a long story medium. The most important thing I've found in my years is that stories do matter, especially when they change the world or change a person with some of the same thing here. But a story has so much power to it. A story predates language, for God's sake. We were telling stories before we had the words to speak them. We drew cave drawings. So stories are important for communication for relationships, but mainly for improving ourselves and the world around us. Now, that's the high view. I think you also asked, how did I get so poetic? Yeah. <laughs> why, why? Why? I want to know why. What's the deeper level? Like, why are you doing yeah. this? It wasn't Your to make purpose. money, I'll tell you that. Um, my, my first entree into this world, I spent 20 years in real estate. I developed okay. art buildings and had a real estate radio show and had a wow. school I founded, which taught real estate investing. We did very well with that up until 2008. And then my whole world changed. 
in a very dramatic and profound way. I was the guy that was technically voted most likely to succeed in high school, president of the class, made millions in real estate, had a radio show, great life. And then God's like, hey, by the way, Mr. Humility, let me just show you something here. Boom, everything goes yeah. away. All wow. the real estate, all the savings, all the retirement, marriage, house. People said, oh, 2000, I had a foreclosure and I hate to do one up. Yeah, I had 19. <laughs> Okay, 19 yeah. foreclosures in a bankruptcy. So it was not a fun time. Yeah. And the people say, oh, a great learning experience. No, I wouldn't wish <laughs> my worst enemy. I don't like that. Now, yeah, I can learn from it, but I wouldn't want to do it again. But out of that, during my little boo phase, I wrote a book and the book sucked. It was just awful. So when it's all done, I'm like, what did you just do? It's like, oh, I'm trying to do something. Um, right. But I went back to some of my guests that I had that radio show. I had interviewed Robert Kiyosaki, Laurel Langmeyer, some other luminaries. And they revealed to me that they're best-selling authors, not best-selling writers, yeah. ghost writers. And so I've, over the years, have really refined a really nice, tight system to take a person's story, message, ideas, and properly convey it with a journalist, ghostwriting, editing team that captures their essence, their power, and actually makes them sound, sound better than they actually are. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And so the story or the why, obviously partially survival, but I love how you've turned it into this thing that means something. And you're like, okay, do you wake up every day thinking I get to touch entrepreneurs all across the country or C-level suite folks, or is it the end user that's reading the book? Or is it, I get to work with my team? What's What wakes you up? What gets you excited? That's a really great question. Both. Okay. Um, I just got off the phone with a new client who's launching the largest stem cell clinic in Mexico. Wow. And I have the own stem cells done on my own knees. So I'm like, I love this topic. Let's do, yeah, let's do a book. But I talked to my team three hours earlier and been, some of them have been for 13 years and I'm responsible for their family's livelihood. And I yeah. take that responsibility very seriously. So yeah, I enjoy people and yeah. the stories yeah. I get from my team, my clients. And you mentioned a good point about my clients, readers. Yeah. I've got to really know them or at least get to know them so that when we craft their book, we're going to resonate and connect with our people. And most authors, quite frankly, Chaz, they don't do this. We have a very refined vet and validate process where we vet and validate their idea before the book is written. We'll do okay. focus groups, research. We split test yeah. covers and ideas and titles. And wow. the more we do that, the more we realize that the reason there's so many authors that aren't selling any books is because they're just you know saying what they want to say without asking what people want to read. Want to hear. Yeah, read. Wow. Yeah, so good. And you hear those things. You hear... We'll ask your clients or ask this or whatever. And it's just a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're moving really fast. And so it's maybe a little easier for us to just put out whatever we think is good. It's actually deeper than that. We're afraid of getting rejected again. Ooh. Imagine going to your clients and saying, hey, what'd you like about it? Why'd you hire me? Oh, because you're so handsome. Who here has gone to the people that didn't hire them? Yeah. And said, hey, we didn't engage. That's fine. I'm really curious. What could I have done differently to win your business? Or- who did you go to and why? If you've got yeah. the stones to do that, you'll be miles ahead tomorrow where you are today. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think if we ended the podcast there, that would be enough yeah. value. Just scrap the whole thing right yeah. here, drop the mic. But in all seriousness, wow, you're, what you're saying is to be able to get genuine feedback. And this applies not just to some big tech company or a stem cell guy, but it applies to the guy building a garage door company or a right? Like we all have the clients. We all have the folks yeah. that are, have the desire or the need and we got to figure it out. That's right. And asking the questions and surveys and all that stuff are fine. But also like, I got to say that whole social media 
standoffish communication thing is really doing a disservice to a lot of businesses and people. Pick up the phone and talk right. to them. Or, yeah. if, or if you really want the real data, real raw data, hire someone to do it for you. So, because maybe that person who either hired you or rejected you might not be 100% authentic or truthful to sure. you because they might be afraid to embarrass you or yeah. offend you. Give you the so real hire, hire some, pay someone a few hundred bucks to go and talk to these people and use their words in your marketing or your reset. So you make sure that you're resonating with what they're saying. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, you can tell you're a studied marketer and as well as storyteller because you can't, you, you tell stories and I'm still very much learning this as myself, but you still, you tell stories that are obviously applicable to you, but then that specifically land with the people that you're trying to communicate to. Okay, so t- you gave us a little bit of your story. I want you to go back even further. How did you get in real estate? Like, how did entrepreneurialism start oh, for you? Give us right. that. Back in high school, we had a Super 8 camera, a film camera, right? So we were uh-huh. making movies. And when you're 17, 18, like, you haven't had any life experience to drag you down. So you can do anything. Right. Yeah. Right? So you I'm going to go be a filmmaker. I went to Northwestern, got a degree in radio, TV, and film. Okay. And that's fun. That's cool. I tried to take a business class at Northwestern. They said, no, we don't do that here. It's just education. <laughs> I have to get a job or start a company. Oh no, we don't do business. I tried to audit a business class. It wouldn't let me. Well, yeah. Don't even get me started on the university system, but uh, I did take an internship and a couple of jobs doing some things. And I really um, found it interesting. My first job out of college was at ABC TV station in Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from. Okay. And uh, a guy came in there one day to do an interview and I'm the lighting director. So I turn lights on for the news and I turn <laughs> lights off for the news. And sometimes a bulb goes out and it's, I got to change tricky, it. Huh? I got to change it for a whopping $3.11 an hour. Yeah. So one day a gentleman comes in and do an interview for the morning show. And he's talking about this real estate topic. I'm like, this is really cool. I know more about this. This is 1984. And I go up to him after the show. I said, Mr. Allen, Mr. Robert Allen, tell me more about this real estate thing. Oh, just come to my high price seminar. I'm like, he didn't say high price, but it was 5,000 bucks <laughs> for his weekend boot camp. That's and right. I'm like, I make $3 and 11 cents an hour to this gentleman's credit. We all know Robert Allen, or you should, he's a great marketer. He said, you can't afford my seminar, go to the library and check out one of my books. Yeah. And I did. And being 24 years old, I read it, no money down. I did exactly what he said. I didn't question it. I was making goofy, stupid, no money down offers and getting rejected left and right until one yep. day someone said, okay. Wow. And I bought my first four unit building at 25 years old, sold it a year and a half later, made, I don't know, 16 grand or something like that. Yeah. And then just kept going and houses, apartment buildings. I bought a convent. That's a fun story. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Imagine putting it at the paper. I'm looking for 19 nuns to rent out this convent. Right? It doesn't happen. So I converted <laughs> it to a multifamily building, obviously. But I did a couple <laughs> office buildings, condo conversions. It was wow. a lot of fun. So I, I got involved in real estate for the from one guy's line saying, go to the library and check out a book. So I guess it comes full circle. And what I ended up doing is, well, you know what? That book thing has got power to it, yeah. especially at a young age, because I just I didn't question it. <laughs> People our age, well, that doesn't work. That's crazy. I can't do that. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. It worked for me. I bought office building, no money down once. I used the, it was a little bit complicated. It was a lease option. So I leased the building from the owner in order to fund the down payment that I gave him a year later. Oh, well. Yeah. Made a few I mean, the reality of what you're saying, I, first off, I hear you in the book, right? You took some advice and you yeah. just did it. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that point right there, it goes by far as like, we got to make sure we at least say it because there's so many times where even somebody here listening to this podcast is going to hear you say something and they're going to go, Ooh, and then they don't. Yeah. It's the, one of my favorite books recently is Mel Robbins, the five second rule. Yeah. Big. If you have an idea or an inspiration, take action immediately on that because yeah. the power and the energy behind that thought dissipates rapidly. So yeah. taking it doesn't mean you're going to have to complete it. doesn't mean you have to even do it, but take some action towards it so that you can see if it's going to come to fruition or not. And I do that with my emails now. Somebody says, hey, can you introduce me to somebody? I got two minutes. I'll do it right now. Because if I tell myself, yeah, I'll get to that tonight, what happens? Doesn't happen or I forget doesn't, about it or something. So exactly. take action quickly, rapidly, and often and fail fast, fail forward thing. It's real. It's real. It's real. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So much good stuff here. Let's talk about maybe you can talk about your real estate years, but you can also yeah. talk about your, the second wave of success yeah. that you've had. Yeah. I want to know a good decision that you made specifically earlier on where you can look back and go, okay, that thing that I did, boom, yeah. I can share that as something that is a staple of a good decision. Wow. Uh, a long while ago, or like, I can't do one from last month, getting married. That was my yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's a good decision. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to know that one. It's, that's a, a, good it's topic. a really, it's a tender story because I was single at the time and dating. And I saw this one gal's dating profile where she was talking about books, whatnot. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'll talk about that. She's beautiful and brilliant. And hey, let's date a little bit. And she started writing, ghostwriting books for me. And at the time, this is pretty good. I'm a cad. So I, we didn't, it didn't work out. A couple years later, I'm like, I'm, I'm just kind of done being a cat. I think I'll go ahead and be a, a, an actual man now. And so we had stopped talking for, I don't know, almost a year or so. She's like, I'm done with you. And uh, we both had a little growth phase, right? So when we basically went through that phase, we connected and it's, I can't imagine life without her. Different and person. the company like tripled in, in volume that year. Just things went through the roof, personally, professionally. Everything is, there's not a single day doesn't go by where it's like, this is awesome. Yeah. And that's no, not disparaging people who choose a single life, mind you. There's a lot of value and advantages to that, quite frankly. But when they say that behind every man, there's a good woman or a greater one, in my case, it's true. It's yeah. like we get so much more done and it's so much better to share your success with someone who believes in you and values you and is, not, is there for the journey. Yeah. That's- Everything that you just said, I resonate with, obviously, is it's yeah. much of a, I'll run into the fire. You don't need to inspire me. You don't need to motivate me. I'm already probably looking to jump in it. But to hear when I come back, thanks or man, thank you for, or we're proud of you or thanks for doing that for the family. I'll go do 10 more fires. It is fuel for the ego, not the bad part of the ego, but the good part, the part that that drives you. It's a lot of people have that, the five love languages, right? The words of affirmation are very valuable. Gosh, reading a Dale Carnegie book or thinking about rich, it's encouragement, hurting your appreciation, lavishing your praise. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's big. It's funny when I'm talking to people about gathering the Kings on the mastermind side, it's people love to talk about business strategy or connections or passing ideas across the table. But every time I say this one thing I'm about to say, it always feels a little odd because it feels flowery. It feels soft. Dude, I like but it. When it. But when someone says, Hey dude, I think that's right. Like, I think based on how we've been masterminding together for the last three, four, five, six months, years, whatever, that's in line. Like you should keep doing that. Like it's encouragement is really what it is. Yeah. It's, I see you, I hear you and you're right on. You should keep going. It's a little bit of a clap of the hands. Like, hey, yeah. you can do another round. And even though that sounds soft, man, we guys like us run hard. Yeah. And when we've got a wife or another guy in a mastermind group going, dude, this is great. I believe in you, man. That'll, that'll I, make I reconnected with an old friend just yesterday. He called me Sunday morning. because I, I commented on an old 2019 YouTube post that he did. I'm like, man, this was great. <laughs> And I hadn't talked to him, I think 10 years. 
He calls me up Sunday morning. Hey, Doug. Hi, Michael. How are you? And he said, I just want to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. Remember when you had me speak at your real estate event like 12 years ago, vaguely? Because yeah. I just wanted to thank you because it was very impressive to me that you had created this community and built a business around it. And it was just really nice to watch. And I thought, wow, how can I be as, you know, like you? And like, Michael, I've been always admiring you. <laughs> You're the one with the speaking all over the world and whatnot. So it was just, yeah. it was just interesting to bring the point of other decisions you make. All right. So we'll get to one more decision because that was my biggest one recently. But over time, and sometimes it doesn't pay off where you actually do things that have no benefit to you whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. They pay it forward, karma, whatever you want to call it. But right. commenting on that guy's video, I guarantee you will turn into some business later, a renewed friendship, whatever. Yeah. So again, five second rule, do something, do it, be positive, appreciation, give love, give comments. One of our strategies for our author clients when they're building their database up is to target your top 100, whatever it is, but you better do it early because most authors, they create their book and they got, now what? Oh, now I want to be a bestseller. How big's your database? Who knows you? Nobody. <laughs> All right. We should have worked on that about 10 years ago, but since we can't go back in the time, let's go ahead and start now. Right. So starting to like, share, and comments on your target, yeah. whether it's nonprofits, corporations, individuals, influencers, start doing that early and often. And do it authentically, yeah. do it with, with sincerity. Don't just say, yeah. hey, good stuff. Comment yeah. intelligently yeah. on other people's stuff. You do that often enough and authentically, you're going to yeah. create a great group of people around you. I start out doing great. books for anybody. Now, like our top clients are nine-figure people and, and a couple of billionaires. They're just people that are, one of them has changed the world. He's an inventor, right? He's invented a little thing you've heard about. It's called GPS and started stamps.com and there's just so many people that we've, we work with and I couldn't believe they'd be my friends even three, right. four years ago. Yeah, no, it's so true. So many nuggets. I hope that the listener takes this opportunity just to hit the pause button, hit the little back by 30 seconds, 60 seconds, go back a couple 30 second slots and re-listen to everything that said Doug has just shared. I want to know a bad decision, something that you did that whew, obviously you learned from, I bet, but what can you share with the listener specifically early on when you were trying to build something, maybe even building up the, the, the book business? Yeah. Something bad that I did? Yeah. Bad uh -huh. decision. Oh, bad decision. I'm a fan of the nothing is good or bad. It's only a thought that makes it. Yeah, but, um, I can good. tell about a poor decision I made. I've made plenty of those. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs are very impulsive, right? We right. hire fast and fire slow. We I'm, I still get caught by just buying stuff because it looks because salespeople love other good salespeople. If I have right. a really good copy, I might not even want it, but I want to buy it. Right? right. So I would caution people to do, I have a sleep test thing that I do nowadays where okay. I see something like, oh, that's a really cool thing. I want to get that. And now I say, oh, it's a special. It's only good for a couple hours. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I always sleep on at least one night. Yeah. If I wake up the next day and I still want it, I generally get it. Yeah. If I forgot about it, I just saved myself some money because it was just the hype yep. that was exciting me, not the value. Yep. That's not only important as a consumer, but as a marketer, as a business person. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you talk about value, not just FOMO and all that stuff in your copy. You've got to actually provide value and treat people the way they want to be treated. It sounds obvious, but so often I see people still selling like it's 1980 or it's like, hey, look at me in a private jet. And like, I don't know who you are and why I care. It makes no sense to me. I'm going to talk about the hero's journey, which is a very popular, famous story arc. When you're marketing, you're not the hero. Okay. You're Gandalf. Okay, right. you got to help out Frodo by helping him be the hero and you just 
be the cool wizard of background. So I had a plane for a few years, but nobody ever saw me in it because it was just my plane to get places. My heroes were my clients. Yeah, I love that perspective. So what was the bad decision? The bad decision was buying stuff you know, probably before the sleep test was invented. Sorry, get, got off on a tangent there. No, it's good. I knew where you were going. Yeah. Well, give us an example. What did you not sleep test that you should have? I can't mention names, of course, because I love the guy still. And you'll love the topic, though. His, his course is was how to close, one call close. And he was great. It was high ticket stuff, right? We're in five yeah. figure land here. And yeah. like his reputation, oh, this is awesome. It was, it was at the time for me, it was probably the most expensive thing I had purchased. And I had leads coming in to support his tutelage. So it was, it worked out well for two months, but the third month, like, I didn't have any leads. Goes, if you don't have leads, I can't really help you out. But I, right. I made the payment. So that was a, you know, it wasn't a big five grand here. <laughs> oh, I got a bigger one for you. I got a $150,000 mistake for you. I think. Uh, okay. No, 50, right. 50. Yeah. But 151, that's different. I'll do the $50,000 error. That's a better one. Yeah. So I'm in the real estate world. I'm buying, selling, rehabbing, flipping. I'm doing everything. I've got a school. I'm teaching people how to invest. I've got a radio show on ABC in Chicago. I'm like the guy. Yeah, you're winning. So I thought, ah. so I'm like, I've been doing these 10, 20, 30 unit buildings. I want to play with the big boys. I want to buy a 250 unit building. Okay, Doug, go ahead and do that. But in Chicago, that'd be like prohibitive. But in Florida at the time, like I could do one of those. It'd be like, I forgot what it was. I think it was three or 4 million, maybe put a half a million down or so. And I could do that. But I was probably going to borrow money to do it. You inspect the house, it costs you 500 bucks. Inspecting a 250 unit building, the inspection fee was 50 grand. So I'm like, I flew my plane down there. I'm looking around like I can do this. 50 grand for inspection. Here's a check. Let's go, big daddy. On the plane ride home, there was a newspaper. I have an autopilot. So I'm just looking over it. <laughs> I read this article. It says real estate crashing in Vegas and Florida was next. This is 2000, early eight, 2007. Like, wow. Oh, I get back up north. I'm watching the, the marketplace and whatnot. The inspection comes back. And my banker calls, hey, you want to talk about financing now? I'm like, I think I had to pull out of the deal because I saw the market start to, to trickle down there in Florida. And uh, the investor I had partnered with, he was a close friend and he could write, stroke a check for the half million. And I'm like, I can't ask him for it because I, I had a feeling it was going to go worse. And it did get worse. It got much worse, as we all know at the time. Yeah. So that yeah. was a 50K error. And that was really based, the, was ego-based. I had, everything yeah. I had touched worked. Yeah. I never lost a dime in real estate. Everything went up, up. I made money. Whatever I did, it made money. So when I went from 30 units to 250 units, eh, I could afford it, but could I afford to lose it? Yes and no. I could, yeah. but I didn't like it. It was a painful day. Yeah. Or a month, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so the decision there, along with maybe the other one, is to pause in the decision, make the decision process a smidge longer, not as impulsive. Always be broke. Always think you're broke. Yeah. 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 No ego. When you make money, you tend to spend what you have. And I think I'm insulated from that because I'm a real estate investor. I'm not in stocks and whatnot. And I had a lot of equity. I had cash too. If you had the mindset that you're always broke, you won't waste, you don't waste money. Yeah. And I had wasted it several times. My wife thinks I still do a little bit, but I'm better now. But no, the big thing when you are, when you get success, put stuff away. Yeah. Go back to being lean. I was going to, you can pay cash for things when you're rich, but the rich don't, yeah. they still borrow money. They borrow from their own assets. Exactly. All right. What kind of discipline or process do you have now when it comes to making a decision? Now that you have all this experience. 
Oh, I've got a, a super intelligent wife. I've got, I've got patients. I got the sleep test. Yep. And I also funny mentioned about entrepreneurs and the shiny object syndrome, which I think most suffer from. I'm yeah. a poster child for. I have new ideas for a business, this business, other businesses every day. And I have a team of people that work for me. And every week or so I say, I want to do this project. I want to do this thing. I want to do a contest. I want to do this new platform. I want to do a new speaking thing. And they're really nice. They're really <laughs> they're beautiful people, right? And it took them a few months to finally go, maybe we could just do one project. Oh yeah. My business coach told me that too. Yeah. I got to remember the shiny object syndrome is a real disease for entrepreneurs. Yep. And if you, we've all met people who are like, maybe not as smart as us, but are super rich or own something as boring as like a manufacturing company or whatever it is, but yeah. they just do the same thing over and over again, just build upon, you know, I met, I took a certified commercial investment manager course, CIM in real estate. And it's a high level course for buying shopping malls and stuff. Sure. And I'm talking to the instructor there and he tells a story about three guys who out of college and back in the 60s or 70s started buying houses and investing and holding and rehabbing them. And after about three or four years, two of the guys have made oh, a couple hundred grand and they decided to sell out. Now, one guy said, I'm going to just hold my stuff and just hold it and just hold yeah. it and just hold it. All right. And he did that for 30, 40 years. And this was the beginnings. And you may or may not know this company. It's called Inland Real Estate, multi-billion dollar real estate holding company. Wow. Because he did one thing. Hold which is another good book, by the way, the one thing, just bought and hold, bought and held, bought and held. And that's it. Yeah. So I've been disciplining myself with the help of my team and my spouse to focus on the one thing. How can I help my next client sell a ton of books? That's right. And the last one is just inked the deal for 63,000 books. He's got a $1.2 million book deal from one client. So wow. we're going to work on duplicating his success with our other clients. I love it. I love it. Okay, I want to come at you in a different angle here. Some speed sure. round questions. All right, go for it. How, the answer should be like one sentence or what do you need? Yeah, the, I want you to give me what you got. We got time. Story, we're sorry. moving. Yeah, we're moving. We're moving pretty good here. I want you to take your business. I want you to take this ghostwriting, incredible book selling, marketing conglomerate that you have. And I want you to dwindle it down into one trackable metric. If you could only track one thing forever and ever, what would it be? Attract one thing? Yeah, if you could only track one thing. Track. A metric. Oh, track. Oh, Great question. So there's leading indicators, lagging indicators. Most people try to track their lagging ones, leading ones. If I could, if I could, and I should, I, I do a little bit. Referrals. Okay. Yeah. And what does the referral metric tell you that why you would name it number one? It tells you a bunch of things. Number one, it tells you you're doing a good job for somebody else. Yeah. And number two, it tells you your sales cycle is going to be cut in half for sure. And number three, a referral is, we all know this, the math on this, that the acquisition of a new client is five or 10 times more expensive than selling an existing one. So it's very similar to just upselling, but a referral is, is gold. One of the first books I read, Bob Berg's Endless Referrals, changed my life. I was a salesman at Nextel Communications and myself, the guy, the top two guys at the company just did what Bob said, just do this guys. And we sold, we outsold everybody at the company because we were basically just getting referrals without asking yeah. for them, by the way. We would get referrals and I'm talking about thousands of referrals without yeah. ever asking. Yeah. Incredible. What I just heard you say is that there was another book in your life that you just listened. You just read it and did it. Yeah. Yeah. And I got crap from my manager because Bob said, put your picture on your business card at the time at corporate co company. You don't do that. 
And my boss, put your picture on the next cell logo. You can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask. I already have. I just did it. Yeah, I just did it. Cause you know, we were salaried with a commission and it was field sales by going to the office once a week. And it's just, yeah. it was a funny time. Yeah. You had some room to, to be entrepreneurial. Okay. So this is a question that I can't wait to hear your answer because you're a book okay. guy. Yeah. What book would you recommend for a six figure business owner? So many. I know. Maybe you could give two or three, but, okay. but for sure one. It depends on where they are, right? If because six figure is such a loose term, Let's make it. It is. Wow. My my last favorite book, quite frankly, is uh, might not be relevant to everybody, but "Flip the Script" by Oren Claff okay. was the best storytelling book about about growth, about about raising capital. So if a guy wants to go from six to seven figures and wants to do it organically, you can do that probably just duplicating what you want to do. But if you want to go raise a million or two and expand your business or buy a company or something. Right. You will not go wrong with Flip the Script. It was just phenomenal storytelling. And his previous book, Pitch Anything, was really good also. But I like Flip the Script a little better. Love it. Yeah. Okay. What do you think about networking, masterminding with other entrepreneurs? There's levels of that, right? I don't know what, you're, what you guys do, but I've been involved with a bunch. I, yeah. We've done half a dozen books for Vistage uh, CEO Peer Group. And everybody I meet there is they're like Dale Carnegie graduates. They're just like the nicest people on the planet. I've created my own ad hoc one with my clients. My wife and I say every week or so, we're getting our MBA every year by just publishing, ghostwriting and publishing books for people who are in these other elements, mergers and acquisitions or health right. sciences things. We're learning so much doing it. So creating your own mastermind is different than networking. That's right. So I would definitely do both. There's no downside to doing both. My yep. If your question was my opinion on it. They're yeah. great. Yeah. Do them. I love it. I, and I, I was going to say, I think you gave a great description there of maybe the difference between the two as well. Yeah. Okay. What, what would you do if you only had one hour each week? How would you use the one hour to successfully run your business? If you only Ooh. had one hour, I would give referrals away. Okay. Give us a little bit more. What does that mean? I would actually, if I only had one hour, I would spend that entire hour giving referrals to my top clients. Now that's too much. That's too much of a leap for people. I can explain why that would be the only thing. I think obviously I know why you're providing value to your top folks. And then that's going to come back around to you. But I want you to explain why you personally would choose that action because it's, there's a relationship component there that you're getting, yeah. that you're tapping on yeah. that I want you to hit home. On, on the slightly icky side there's the emotional bank account thing that we read in Seven Habits for High Effective People. You can't, you only get what you give. There's only so much people can take when you're giving so much that they want, they have, they're compelled to give back. So in that kind of, in that sense, it's a little bit icky because it's, you might expect it. However, when I give referrals, I never ask, hope, or expect anything in return ever. And that energy comes across like, Hey, I got a great person you should meet. And I do that every day. And right now I don't do it consistently, but I do it very frequently. Yeah. And the reason this is important is it's two or threefold. Yes. Sometimes they give you a direct referral back, but the, I got a referral from a guy, you got a story, right? Who I contacted as a vendor okay. and we chatted great company. Wasn't for me. You know what? This sounds cool, but it's not for me. We had a great conversation. He just gave me a referral for a $50,000 client. Wow. How many calls would you want to reject when someone's trying to sell you something? You go, ah, I'm, I don't want that. I'm going to hang up the phone. But it might have cost you 50 grand. In my case, I listened. The guy was great. He was professional. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to say, 
not for me. Maybe I have somebody for you. I think I probably did send him a couple of podcast guests or something. Sure. But that's what I would do. I would give referrals, not just for the get them back, but for the energetic part of that, of being a person who's respected, your yeah. brand goes up, your referrals come in and they might not come directly. They could come from, or they might circle around or something, but that's what I would do if I only had one hour a day. Yep. I love it. Okay. Last question. Okay. Doug, if you lost it all, well, I have. What, would you do? <laughs> what would you do? I'd do it again. I'll tell you what, this might be a funny answer for you entrepreneurs out there, but I would not start a company. Okay. What would you do? I'd buy one or two yeah. or three yeah. or four. We've done a, a, a few books and we're building a platform on mergers and acquisitions. Yep. And it, it makes me actually, at my age, I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Because we're creative. We want to grow something. Screw that. Somebody's already <laughs> done all the work. Find a way to finance it. Just buy it. Right. Yep. It's, I looked at some companies the other day to purchase and oh my gosh, it's sad. One out of 12 companies that are trying to sell right now. Only one out of 12 are going to close. 11 will just dissolve. Yeah, just baby away. boomers retiring. There's trillions of dollars of value yep. that's going to evaporate because people aren't going to be able to, because little Johnny doesn't want to take on dad's or grandpa's break shop. Yeah. I would definitely, if I lost it all, I would, I don't need the money to buy a company, by the way. It's no money down real estate. You can borrow, you can do lots of things creatively more so than real estate actually. Excellent. So yeah, I would buy a companies, I'd buy, start with one and then add on to them. Yeah. Love that. All right. How can the listener connect with you? Ah, uh, great Doug? question. A great question. Our main website is authorbrand, authorbrand.com. And they're welcome to just contact me directly, Doug at dougcrow.com. If you're thinking about doing a book, I actually have a very nice free offer for you guys, no obligation whatsoever to actually vet and validate your book idea. And you'll spend about 45 minutes on the call with me. We walk through it and I give you some pointers on what to do to test your idea in the marketplace, see if it's a good book. And I'll yeah. definitely will give you at least two or three actionable items you can do to about 10x the value of the book. A book's 20 bucks. What if you can make a hundred or $500 for every one you sell? Right. That could really add up. So that's free thing. Just shoot me an email, dougcrow.com. That's crow with an E. There you go. Like your cousin, Russell. My cousin, Russell. <laughs> Australia, mate. That's right. Doug, you've been incredible. I'm so glad we, I don't, the listener didn't get to hear our, the very first few minutes of our conversation. You had a shipment. Oh, I forgot that about that until just now. I know the shipment didn't go well, but Hey, I almost lost the guest. You know, I, I suggested that he take a minute. We reschedule and he said, you know what? No, let me put it over here. I'm now with you. And, and this has been an incredible show. So thank you, Doug. I know that there'll be people listening and probably myself who need to go through your 45 minute validation of a book series, because there's lots of entrepreneurs out there with some ideas and some great businesses. And uh, we need to connect with you to get our story out. So again, thank you for being here. We hope nothing but success and blessing for you, your family, your new marriage, yes. uh, and of course your business. All right. Thanks, for thanks, being here. You. thanks Jess. All right. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.